Speaking to the Nameless, Episode 4. Hello, darling. I hope you don't mind me calling you darling. (laughs) I don't think you will. Because you know you're not the only person I call darling. Darling. Well, it's good to talk to you. It feels... I feel happy when I think of you. And I have very fond memories of you. And I really cherish our time together. I really cherish what we shared. And there were a lot of things I learnt with you. And it was really such a short time. It was really so few times that we spent together and yet very meaningful and they're very they're still very clear to me some of the things we talked about and how we were are still precious to me and i see how we related to each other as a very important lesson to me it was a lesson in my ability to open to people and to trust people to open to me and back and forth like this. And and I know I say this as if it's in the past. We may meet again. I hope we meet again. And I think we will. But getting back onto what I'm talking about, which is learning. I I learnt with you to trust more what people were saying generally. And and it was specific with you. And and I I find it so funny that it took us so long to... it, It really did take us quite a while to break the ice and to start talking to each other and to become friends. And even in that, I think there's a funny lesson, which is there are these people, it's like there are these people walking around, which I never talk to and never talk to me. And I never really have the the courage to go up and, you know, start a conversation or something like that. And for you and me, that was for, for quite a while. It was like that. And I saw you around and you saw me around. We were in and out the same sort of places. And then the funny thing, of course, is that when we, when we did start doing that, we had great conversations and we shared so much. And I think the, like the initial thing is, the initial le- lesson in that is, oh, well, why can't I just be friends with everyone then? Or isn't everyone going to turn out like that who I don't talk to? And I guess the answer is no. It's it's still a mystery to me why I become friends with certain people or talk to certain people or connect in certain ways with certain people and not with others. 
and we had this funny thing. It was like we we'd sit down to have a conversation, and I would sort of start talking, sort of knowing that you'd expect something meaningful and authentic and sensitive. And yet still I'd have a bit of nervousness or a hesitation to really share and speak clearly, but then I would start to do it and then I'd say, yes, you're very accepting. And then I would see the exact same thing in you. You would start to talk and I would listen and I would have to remind myself, you know, be, you know, come on, Dosta, listen carefully. This person is sharing something authentic and be accepting Like the whole thing of being accepting that what someone is saying is meaningful to them is a big lesson. It's a big thing. And it wasn't just you that I had this with. It was with other people. It's just that today I feel like talking about you and and with you it was in a very unique sort of way. And I feel you're, you're quite intelligent in the kind of way that I am also intelligent. And I've thought that before, but I've also thought that it might be it might be just because you you're good at speaking English that I think this, that you can you can understand me quite well because your English is quite good. And I I think I think English is your second language. It might not be. It might be your first language. But you're at least bilingual. So so I don't know if there's a difference between that and actually... Like, that's still a bit of a... That's a funny thing that's undifferentiated for me, which is the ability to speak English well and a language barrier or a language freedom on the one hand. And then on the other hand just plain cognitive intelligence. So that sort of hair splitting, though, it didn't, didn't really matter because when I sat and I talked with you, I felt like I could really share myself and I could share stories and I could share ideas. And I particularly liked that you said sometimes when I tell stories and I get excited, you get on board with it. And I do get carried away. I do, I do talk a lot with you. I do, I do tend to start to babble. And maybe it's because I realize, oh, I, I've found someone that understands and someone who's willing to listen. Maybe there's a bit of the old, uh, what do you call, unmet need of sharing myself, or there's a, there's a, there's a drought of having the ability to talk to someone so that now that I've found you, I talk lots. (laughs) Maybe there's a bit of that going on. And when I tell stories and I get really excited because my stories to me are very excited and I become really animated and there's all this emphasis in my voice and it's so great to have someone sit there and follow along and and sort of have the eyes open up and wow, yes, yes, yes. And then you even were wise enough to say, yes, thank you for sharing the stories. I really get on board with it. So that meant a lot to me. 
I also remember when we were talking about your life and you were sharing sort of broadly what your idea of life is and not in like a metaphysical sense but in a sort of practical career kind of way like what do you want to do with your life and you said you wanted to be an actor and I thought well that's great that suits your talents you've got performance abilities you're good with your emotions you've got dancing background you've got music background so you probably would be good as an actor and then you were also talking about this thing of the dream or the idea of being an actor clashing with reality and you said you turned up at some I think it was like an acting class or something or an acting group or maybe a performance group and it was a group of like five people or something. And when it came came to your turn, you completely choked and you stumbled. And it was really hard. And in that moment, you realized that this big dream of, oh, I want to become an actor. And the actual practical steps, the hit the ground running, the work, the training was confronting for you. And we tried to talk this through. I, As you told me this, there were a lot of different things that were triggered at the time. And even now, there's a lot of things that I want to sort of dissect with this whole thing. Because the, the thing of the dream and what, what you want to do with your life and what work you want to do, that is a thing we all have to contend with. And we all contend with it in different ways. And we all contend with it differently depending on what age we're at and what sort of life circumstances we have. So it really is a big thing. And one of the things I wanted to say, and I think I said this to you, but I'll say it again if you don't mind me reminding you, is that you actually don't have to do anything with your life. It's perfectly okay to not have a careerist outlook on how to live. It's perfectly okay not to have your career at the center of your life or your work at the center of your life. Now, understand that that is not a pro-apathy view. I'm still against apathy. I'm still against boredom. But thrill-seeking is one thing, and a career is another. And a sense of feeling aliveness is another thing yet again. And really, I believe that everyone should have the choice whether they should work or not. 
And everyone, it, it should be a human right that you don't have to work. It should be a human right that you don't have to have a career. And it should be perfectly socially acceptable for you to just live your life like a cat. Just lazy, just sitting around. And of course, the human condition needs a, a, a human needs an aliveness because of the complexes that we have. So I wouldn't actually recommend living like a cat. That doesn't work for humans. And of course, there is this thing, well, we live in the age where you do have to make money for yourself. And you do have to be financially supported. So there's always that creeping thing. And that's another big complex to this whole thing of, oh, what do I want to do with my life? I need to make money somehow. Now, of course, not everyone is always in that position. I, I, in your case, I don't know. I don't know what your position is. And I'm all for financial intelligence. I'm all for knowing how money works and being careful with it and not wasting it and having it grow and investing in all these things. And then the other side of this whole thing with the dream on one hand and the reality hitting you in the face in this acting class in the other is, well, that's the secret. That hitting in the face, that's where you begin your work. That's where you start to build skills. That's where you walk the path, the path of the actor. And every time you feel that hit, if you can take that as a reminder of, oh, this is the direction I'm going in, then you can start to really build up a momentum and you work and you work and you work and you go to acting school and you do the classes and you do the, the assignments and you do the whatevers and you do some small performances and you get in some groups and these sorts of things. And you remind yourself again and again that there's this big far-off dream which is off in the clouds and it seems so far away and then you get hit in the face with this cold, hard reality. The hold card, cold, hard work of building the skill to get to the dream. And that's, but that's only one approach. That's only one sort of outlook on life. And I can see because you're a little bit younger than me and I can see how I lived like that at certain times in my life, that that can be a trap. It can be a trap for young players. <laughs> it, can be a, it can be something that gets you caught into tangles. It can be something that is, is not something that is healthy. So what, what are your other options? And the, the, the other option is the thing that when I was talking to you, I was not very clear on. And I was trying to explain it. I'm trying to grapple with it. And it's more like you do what you want anyway 
regardless of the outcome. And this is a tricky one because it's almost like the new age positive thinking cliche, which is ah, just follow your heart or do what you're passionate about or do, do more of what you love. These sorts of phrases, this sort of attitude. And this is tricky. This is a tricky one. Because it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. Trusting your feelings for something and having a dream for something bigger is something that changes all the time. Something that changes all over the place, really. And now... Now that I'm a little bit older, I can see I could see it very differently to you. I can see it differently to how you and and I and I'm suspecting this is this is why I'm talking about this is because I suspect that it's not just you and me that feel this because if it's me that felt it when I was younger and it's you that's feeling it now, well then there's a good chance it's more common. So how do I feel about it now? How would I? Well, it, the, the, the funny thing is that I want to say I would just do what I feel to do. And really learn deeply to trust that feeling. It's, it's more like an instinct. It's like a general intuition. And... The, the, the trick is to be really good at your intuition. And it takes practice because to practice that, you have to try lots of things. And really, this is, the, th- this is my advice generally to young people, which is to try lots of different things. Don't get stuck in this idea of, oh, I want to be an actor and then work really hard towards that. No, when you're younger, you should be trying lots of different things because you should be learning how to learn. You should be learning how to find what you want to do. And these are deeper skills. You should be learning to trust your intuition. And that almost sounds like a cliche as well, but it's an important skill. Yes, time... Time feels very different when you're a little bit older and you look at these things. And really, you know how to trust your intuition. And you understand that it's something that you can still improve even better. And you've already done so much work on that. And more generally, if we can move along of of what I would say about you, well, I, I don't need to give you any advice. I don't need to tell you what to do with your life. I don't need to even give you any insights or any wisdom. I don't feel like there's anything I can say to you which would help you because I don't think you need help. 
And I don't think we relate to each other in that way. We more relate to each other in the sense that we sort of just, we sort of just share stories about ourselves or we share what's happening for ourselves. And we listen to each other. And we just allow the impression that it that each of us makes on each other to be our own responsibility. And you really you really have found some of the best stuff already. You've found the best the best methods. You've found some of the best speakers. You've read the best books. You've met some of the best mentor like your mentors are they they are as good as any that I know of that I have ever encountered in my whole life and you've already done so much of the work you've already found it's almost sort of like you've you've done it backwards to what most people do most people most people when they 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 finish school or they finish their studies, or they, they're going into the later studies, they sort of get this idea of, oh, this is what I want. This is really what I want. I'm going to work really hard. This is what I want. No one can tell me otherwise. I want it. I want it. I want it. And then they work and they work and they work. And then they go down that path for a while. And at some point, either they get what they want or they go down the path far enough to realize, actually, no, this is not what I want. Now, of course, not everyone does reach that sort of depth. For the it's it's for the people who I'm talking specifically only about the people who want more out of life here. The people that want a deeper way of living, and you're one of them. And those sort of people, if they do this in the conventional ways, they try and get what they want and they get it and then they realize no there's got to be more. And then they start searching. Then they start finding things like well, what what their their wants become more intangible. So even more intangible than saying, "Oh, I want to be an actor," or "I want to be this," or "I want to have that," or "I want to go to this place." They become more more like things like, "Oh, I want to have a really strong sense of intuition." Oh, I want to be really grounded in my feelings and to be clear about what my feelings mean to me. Or I want to have a really calm mind. I want to be very peaceful. Or I just want to be grounded generally and I want to know how to have a a focused direction which is also relaxed. These sort of desires come up and, and it's like you've done you've you're doing it backwards. <laughs> you've you've found the deeper meanings, you've found the deeper skills, and now you're thinking, oh, I want to be an actor. <laughs> and I I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you. I don't know if anyone has seen seen it this way. So Probably not, because I'm only just a little bit older than you. I'm not that much older than you. So, 
Yeah, this whole thing of like career and what you want on the outside and then your deeper things on the inside. And of course, they go full circle. You you can't you can't exclude one or the other. You can't say, "Oh, I'm not ever going to have a career because I want to I want to have the deeper part of life." Oh, I'm not so shallow as to have a career. No, it doesn't work like that either. You do actually have to spend your time doing something. You have to find something to work on. Work is a part of life. Even even if you well, it's it's so hard to it's so hard to put a universal. I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule. But even if you're financially stable, there's something you you want to work with. And if you're an actualizing person, if you're a person that's seeking for something deeper, then you're probably creative or you've got some performance in you, like you do. So that's a few ideas of what I was thinking about with the things we were talking. And another thing I'll mention was this whole thing of well, I don't I don't really know what I want to say if I want to really say that much, but you were talking about your diet and your eating habits and how that's changed with your with how you've learnt to listen to your body. And that's good. It's good that you're learning to listen to your body and use its messages or its sounds or its feelings to guide you with what to eat and that things are opening up. And, and I know there's, there, there's a lot of complexes in that. There's a, a lot of different traps because you can become impulsive. You can become in a sort of, you can become addicted to certain things. So all I can say in that regard is really make sure that when you're listening, really assess, you, you, you have to be sincere about what you're hearing when your body is talking to you. You have to be very careful with that. And it's really important. And it's the same thing as to have a career or not to have a career. It's a false dichotomy. Should I eat this or should I not eat this? There's, when it comes to diet, there's no rule that says, oh, oh, all sugar is bad or all this is bad or that or this or not, yes or no, here and there. There are no universals when it comes to food. And I think in your case, you realize that and this this is why I think it was big for you is because it's not just a matter of you are oh, getting this idea of oh I want to learn how to listen to my body and change my diet. No, it was actually ingrained in a whole bunch of different things throughout your life, like experiences that you'd had in your life and your self-image and how you feel about yourself and your self-esteem, and your emotions, and what you say about yourself, 
And it was all connected to those things. So it was very deep. It was very big. And also how you saw other people and what they said to you. You remember that that time when you said that you had this friend who had said something about you. I can't remember what. Maybe it was your eating habit. Or, or one, something. I think it was actually something else. I can't remember what. But basically they said something about you and you said, well, you know what? One day I'm going to change all this. And, and you said your friend was like, yeah, right, you'll never change. Something like this. And I, I honestly can't remember now what it was in relation to. An eating habit could be an example. There are many other examples, like it's whatever. The point is that you had this thing with this friend where they didn't believe you would change. And then when you were telling me that you had changed this thing, you told me about this friend and, and you, were, you were thinking like, oh, so now I can go back and be like, ha ha, look at me now. So you had this moment of, the, the classic moment of, well, take a look at me now. <laughs> and there's something in that. And like all things that we've talked about so far in this conversation, it's not right or wrong. It's not yes or no. It's not black and white. Because on the one hand, you should say, yes, look at me now. Wow, I have changed. And then on the other hand, maybe you shouldn't be ascribing so much significance to what that person thinks of you. And, and I know, see, this is why I hesitate to, to say something like, now look into that relationship and see what's triggering there and what the significance is. Because it's not for me to say that and I can see that you already know that. You already know what to do there. You already, you already will do the work there. So it feels good to have someone that I don't need to give advice to. It's, it's quite a relief. And, of course, you can turn that back onto me and you can say, Dosta, why are you walking around feeling like you need to give people advice? What's in you that's making you do that and that that would be very wise I, I doubt you would say that to me but that might come up in a conversation you know I mean I'm having I'm having that question now myself just by unfolding these things with you untangling well it's not untangling it's discussing as we discuss these things they unfold for me and to have someone who I, I can just say say things to like that there's really there's really something very powerful in just listening allow someone to talk listen carefully understand them but then don't react There's no need to add on. There's no need to re-explain it. 
There's no need to ask, even ask more questions. But just to let someone say what they need to say. And, and you and me, we've found a very edgy place at certain points in our conversations where we not only talk about what we're sharing, but we also talk about the mechanics of it. And we sort of turn our awareness onto what's happening between us in real time. It's a real time awareness happening. I don't want to say technique because it's sort of a, I don't know, it's a, well, it's a happening. It's an occurrence. And I think it, it's, a, it's an occurrence that happens because we have certain experiences with techniques, with listening and talking and those certain things. So that happened, well, it's happened with lots of people, well, not, I wouldn't say a lot of people with me, but a, a few people with me, and you're one of them, and I cherish that, I really feel good, and I, I hope that if we meet again, or when we meet again, we can get back to that, because it's a very, it's a very deep way to relate to someone, it's a very deep way to connect, and I think that's why we we're able to share so much with each other even though we didn't really talk that much. And there's another thing that comes to mind which I want to say about you, which is you're very good at knowing how fragile you are. And you're very good at saying at certain times, no, I need to be alone. Or no, I just need to come back to myself. Or no, I need to do some integrating. And that is a very important skill as well. You have, you've got a, see, you've got a lot of very deep skills. You have some very deep skills. Your intuition is good. Your ability to look into yourself. Your ability to inquire into how a relationship is your responsibility. And also this last one, which is your ability to know that you are in a fragile space and you need, you need care and you need to avoid certain people or certain situations which are uncomfortable for you. So I know, I know maybe I've, I've slipped in some advice here. <laughs> it's hard for me to turn off that, the advice voice. I don't know how aware or on-off, how clear that on-off switch is, but I hope it's been off here. I'm just, I just wanted to say that you're doing really well by cherish our times together and keep going. You've found such a good thing. It's such an amazing thing that you found. And I really look forward to speaking with you again. And that's all I have to say for now. <laughs>